Sundays what we do is uh, we work through a passage of scripture, um, kind of bit by bit. We believe that God's word has a power to stand on its own. And so if you've been with us for any amount of time recently, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. We finished that series last week. Vision Sunday we use as just an opportunity to kind of um, get together as a community and talk a little bit about where God has us corporately moving forward. And so today is a little bit more informational than most Sundays. Most Sundays, um, uh, we really center things on, on the Word of God uh, here, and the teaching of the Word is kind of the, the, what the gathering moves toward, and then ultimately <clears throat> toward the table as though it's here, but towards communion the way that we've been doing it. Uh, this Sunday is just a little bit different, <clears throat> but... If you're new, we've been kind of begging you to come this Sunday because this will give you a good idea of just where we're at, especially in a season where um, that clarity isn't as obvious, right? Like we, there's a lot new that is happening in a season where there's still some uncertainty where we're coming out of a very unique season. So really, really glad you're here. But what we do every Vision Sunday here at Jacobswell is we start by just kind of recentering ourselves on the story from which our name comes and talking a little bit about how we want all of what we do to really flow from the beautiful truths we see in the story of Jacob's well in the scriptures. And so um, I won't go into too much depth in that, but did want you to at least hear part of that story, especially the part that I think is especially relevant for what we'll do together this Sunday. Um, And so if you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 4, and Jen Consomer is going to read for us um, just a little bit of that passage to give you a little bit of a flavor of <clears throat> even why our church is called what it's called. Jen, what are you reading from? What verses did I say? Uh, seven, to fourteen. seven to fourteen. Is this, is this on? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, John four seven to fourteen. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm going to keep reading just a couple more verses. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The story takes place at an ancient location called Jacob's Well. It's, it's bound up in this Old Testament story that I won't get into, but it's this, one of the most beautiful encounters that Jesus has with anyone in, in the entire biographies of his life um, that, that are known as the Gospels. 
And what happens in this interaction uh, is, is where the language of our vision, it's Vision Sunday, where the language of our vision flows from as a church. Our vision at Jacob's Well is to become a church that, that is known, that becomes the kind of community that you say, what kind of church is that? That we would be a church that uh, breaks barriers to encounter Jesus together. Breaking barriers to encounter Jesus together. That, that's our destination. That's our North Star. That's, that's who we want to become. And that's driven by what we see in this story. This incredible encounter with Jesus. This life change. Where the story ends is with this woman who, as far as we can tell, is just immersed in, in some kind of social shame that has caused her to, unlike everyone else in the village who would have drawn water early in the morning, she has to slink away in the heat of the day and do this on her own. She's become completely isolated either by her own sin or the ways that she's been sinned against. And Jesus comes, and by the end of this encounter, she is going back into that very community that has cast her out, shouting, I, I found the hope of the world. I found the one who I think that we're all longing for. I have found what we all most deeply need. Between her shame and this enormous freedom that she experiences is this encounter with Jesus. And in that encounter, what stands out so much, even in what Jen just read, is the, the barriers that Jesus is overcoming in order to make that encounter possible. The first one is... is um, so obvious it's not even named until later in the story, which is that there's a gender barrier here, that actually Jesus' own followers are scandalized by the fact that he is talking to a woman uh, alone at, at that time. That would have been this enormous barrier. That, that would have been a, a no-no. Uh, she names the next one where she says, how can you, a Jewish man, have anything to do with me, a Samaritan woman? And this has all kinds of historical background of, of the conflict between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. This was a historical, this was a political, this was um, an ethnic. There were all kinds of things bound up in why she so quickly, right at the front end of their interaction, says, I don't, I don't know if this is okay. What is happening right now? And then the author, just in case we miss it, throws into parentheses, look, this is because Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and, and vice versa. Saying, in case you're not catching what's going on here, the reason why she starts at this place, because she's saying, hey, there's supposed to be walls between someone like me and someone like you. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm, I'm breaking those um, because my ways are higher and better than the ways of this world and culture and politics and all of these other things. And he says, what I am actually offering you, and he uses the particular location that they're in is living water. I am offering you what your soul longs for, what you've chased after in 6,000 other ways that only I can provide. I can bring that to you by the grace and salvation that is only available in me. And then there's one more barrier um, that's most explicitly. I think that there's many, and we've talked through them many times, but there's one other one. It's why I kept reading after what I had Jen read, is the one other one that he goes after is her own sin and shame. As he says, go call your husband. And clearly, from her response, he hits a nerve. And we don't know all of what goes of what's gone on here to get her to this point. Scholars kind of disagree. Um, 
Is this her own promiscuity that, that he's naming? Is this her own rejection at the hands of, um, of unrighteous men who have cast her aside? There's some suggestion that there might be a legal reason, um, an unjust legal reason why she's been handed along from man to man. It's some combination, as it is in all of our stories, of our own sin and rebellion and the ways in which this world has harmed and bruised and broken us that he puts his finger on her deepest shame and pain. And he says, because if, if you won't let me go there, if you won't let me go to those depths, if you won't let me go to the place of your greatest damage and hurt, then that living water will only satisfy so much, but I want to go all the way down. And so they have this very interesting interaction. And by the time it's over, um, I'll spoil the rest for you. It's very interesting. She says, I perceive that you're a prophet, but clearly by the end she's perceiving more, but initially she tries to hold him at arm's length and she starts having this interesting little theological debate with him. She says, which mountain should we? And Jesus kind of goes with it. But by the end, he refuses to, to not keep going to that place of pain with her. And by the end, she's utterly transformed. And in fact, by the end, an entire town, by what we can tell, is utterly transformed by this encounter. So Jacob's well, we want this to be a community where barriers that the world, that difference, that whatever puts up, where we say, no, the ways of God are higher and better than the ways of this world. And so we're not going to let those barriers stand. We're going to participate in the work of God, breaking those barriers, not so that our name becomes great, but so that others can encounter Jesus in life-changing, community-transforming ways. That's what we're about here. That's what we want to do. So what does that mean for us headed into this particular year? As Rachel named in the liturgy this morning, we feel like this year of all years is a year to first and foremost acknowledge where we've been and the place where we find ourselves as we sit here this morning. Mike, you can go to the next slide. We have had quite a year. Sorry that this is small. You don't have to see all of this. But this just says the impact of this last year, right? COVID-19, racial unrest, political polarization, personal suffering, loss, and isolation that we have been through. When I first put together this slide actually for our members meeting, I was initially just going to put pictures that kind of capture these ideas. And just the images themselves were, um, and I don't mean this lightheartedly, were, were so, um, hurt, you know, whatever word you want to use, triggering or, or whatever, they, they were so, they were too much. They were just too much, especially on one slide. And so I chose words instead. And yet represented in just those words is this unbelievable mixture of, of difficulty, of suffering that we have collectively been through. I put this slide together 24 hours before Hurricane Ida hit this area, right? And so we can add all of what many of you have experienced in that. And I'm sure that you can add many other things to this. Here's the reality. That has done things to us personally, right? That has caused harm and pain in us personally. That isolation, that polarization that we've experienced has drawn many of us back to old ways, old shameful things, sin, let's just name it for what it is. This for many of us, I know, in the isolation that we've experienced has not been a banner year in the way that we have, have walked with one another, in the way that we have walked 
with God faithfully. And so it's created barriers, picking up on the language of our church, right? What are those barriers? Suspicion, interpersonally, confusion, whether that's spiritually or about life, right? Many people asking a lot of questions about who they are and making huge decisions in a time like this. Fatigue. Right? Dear refuge of my weary soul. Great right? said, just the title itself, you go, yeah, that sounds about right. Disappointment. This one, this disappointment, this is something that um, I have a particular view into given my role here is I know that there are many people, right? We've had a bunch of people, uh, you normally don't say this on Vision Sunday, but we've had a lot of people leave our church this last year because of a lot of this stuff. And that's caused um, disappointment on both sides, right? There has been hurt that's been caused between us, from leadership to you, from you to leadership, to one another, right? Friendships that grew cold, uh, you wondered where people were. You wondered, is anyone thinking of me in this? And then ultimately that led to a kind of disconnection with God, disconnection even with ourselves, something we talk a lot about here, and disconnection with others. So what do we do with all that, right? Like that becomes the question. Well, this past year we have tried to lean into some of the core practices of God's people throughout the ages, um, of what you do in seasons of hurt and pain. And so, Mike, go to the next slide. First thing we do uh, is the ancient practice um, that is never not relevant of lament. We have a God who can handle this stuff, guys. We have a God who is not intimidated by the hurt and pain of this world, even your specific version of it. In fact, he wants to carry it. In fact, that's the whole point of the gospel is that he came to carry this stuff all the way into its pain and hurt, all the way into death and destruction itself. And so he wants to bear this with us, for us, alongside of us. And that's what lament is. Lament is simply the naming of what's been lost and the bringing of that to God. Many times what we do is neither of those movements we don't name law, we just charge forward. We have our little Western American idealism at the forefront of everything we do. Everything's gonna be fine. Just pull yourselves up by your bootstrap. I'm fine, you're fine, let's keep going. Let's work through this. That worked for like two months in COVID, right? And then we all were like, man, if I don't, if I don't do something with this, it's just, it's just gonna wear away so much. I, I don't know if I could put one foot in front of the other. That's where lament comes in. But sometimes what we do is that we name those losses and then either we just, we just carry them ourselves or we just process them interpersonally. And that often sounds like you know, a, lot of, a lot of complaint, a lot of uh, just kind of airing grievance into the world. There's one more and that's good and that's necessary and that builds community and that's a good thing to not bear that stuff yourself but there's one other movement that Lament calls us to which is you gotta bring that stuff to God. You gotta bring that stuff to the one who can actually carry it for you, who can actually do something about it. So as crazy a thing as this might sound like to do on Vision Sunday, I just wanna pause and give you an opportunity to do this in case you haven't. I wanna invite you and you can grab one of those little papers in front of you open your phone into a note. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to do this. Watch two, what it says up there, identify two or three of the most significant losses you've endured in this past season. 
given what we're doing today, um, I think it's important to add this caveat, especially with respect to your experience of our church. Um, there's a list there. Probably not many of you can see it, but just, just some things that you might have lost. But this is step one, to name these things. So I just want to give you a couple minutes, and if you would just write down two or three things. Go ahead and write them down, um, and then we'll move forward from there. You're not going to be asked to share this with anyone, so this is, this is between you and God in, in this particular exercise. Some of you have maybe done this as a part of our discipleship course, or maybe you've done this um, as part of the various leadership development things we've been doing this year. So uh, if you're like, man, this is an exercise that I've done, maybe there's just something fresh. Maybe there's something acute right now, um, even from the last couple weeks. Um, I encourage you to go ahead and name that. I'm just going to give you one more minute to do that. Would you go to that next slide? <clears throat> now, what I want to invite you to do, and this might be totally foreign for, for some of you to your experience. Um, if you're not comfortable doing this, that's fine. Um, you don't have to. But insofar as this is kind of a, a Sunday of kind of assessing where we're at corporately, I feel like this is important. I want you to turn uh, those hurts, those frustrations, the questions that come up even as you do that exercise into, into an authentic prayer um, before God, just you and God. I just wanted to show you a version of this biblically to show you what, what we're given permission biblically um, to come before God with the posture. So listen to this. This is literally from a book that has the word lament in it, Lamentations. Uh, Mike, go to the next slide. God, that's the he, God has made my teeth grind on gravel and he made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And then listen, this is what lament does. 
It goes Godward with this. Listen to this next part. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. <clears throat> His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Last part. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Those of you who've been around church for any amount of time, I bet you know verses 22 and 23 sound familiar. We sing those words. Steadfast love, the Lord never ceases. Mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is a declaration of faith. This is a declaration of trust in God. I wonder how many of us realize what came before that. The journey that got the writer of these words to that place of hope and trust. The context within which those words burst forth is not bounty, is not pleasurable, is not good. It is, I'm not sure I've got any hope left in God. I feel like God is accountable for the amount of pain and suffering that I'm enduring. Right? This is what lament does. It names it unabashedly, brings it to the one who can stand firm in our pain and suffering and then chooses to, through quite literal gritted teeth, to teeth that are ground down as with gravel, says, I choose to bring this to you because that is where I believe at the end of the day, hope, hope lies, right? So whatever you need to say to God, I just wanted to invite you, felt like to charge too quickly forward would have been a mistake given who we are, given what we're trying to do as a community, given some of the values that we have as a community. And so um, I'm going to ask you to do two things. First, to turn this into prayer, I'm going to invite you to pray. The second thing, though, that I want you to do, Mike, go, go one slide forward. So I want you to ask God if there's anything he wants you to do with that. And here are some of the possibilities. Sometimes in lament, we just need to release that pain to God. We just need to say, God, I haven't named this before. I haven't really um, brought this to you. I'm processing through it, but God, I need you to take this, right? Maybe we need to release this to God. Maybe you need to process some of that pain. Maybe some of what you've gone through in the last year and a half, you, you, just, you just haven't brought to anyone. Right? We're a church that believes wholeheartedly in, in, the, in the necessity and the beauty and the ministry of counseling. Um, and so if you need to process this with someone, uh, you know, consider first and foremost a friend, a trusted brother or sister. Consider us as your leadership if you need to bring stuff to us. Or if you need um, a professional to do this, a trained professional, that's something that we're glad to recommend you to and even help you with. So that might be a possibility. Um, the next three get a little bit more real, if I'm honest. Um, and I know that this is like an interesting tone for Vision Sunday, but uh, such is... 2021. Um, you might need to forgive someone. You might need to release, right? What forgiveness is biblically is what it's not is saying, oh, what happened was fine. Um, what happened didn't really hurt me. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't even saying, oh, that person should, you know, shouldn't ever have to be accountable for what they did. But what forgiveness is, is saying in your heart, I release my right to determine how this person should suffer for what they've done to me. I release my right to be the one who names the punishment for the offense that's been done to me. And that's something that you can do. It's really, really, really hard. It very seldom happens in a flash. 
but it is actually something you can do apart from any interaction with that other person. And yet this is the thing that the scriptures could not more clearly command as a distinctly Christian, ongoing, regular practice among the people of God. So is there someone you need to forgive? I know there's a lot of pain here. I know there's a lot of disappointment. I know that some of that stuff has come toward me, right? And I've needed to seek forgiveness. I've also needed to forgive. And I'm working on some of that, if I'm totally honest with you. But I know that that exists here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be naming it on Vision Sunday. Uh, you, you might need to go to someone. God might be calling to mind right now, man, that, that really wasn't okay what I did. Or, man, I really failed that person in this time. And then forgiveness, hear this. I, I could do a whole sermon series on this, um, but bear with me. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Reconciliation requires two people to come to the table and say, yes, I want to make this right. Forgiveness, though, is the thing that's commanded of us as Christians. But yeah, there might be an opportunity when you go to someone and either seek forgiveness or offer forgiveness to say, hey, can we move forward and try and rebuild this thing? And again, you might need some third-party help in order to do that. But that might be what God calls you to do with this hurt and pain. Just listen to some of these scriptures. Don't take my word for it, right? Might go to the next slide. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And the evangelical church in America said, yeah, but what about one, right? We've been awful at this. We've been awful at this. And to pretend that some of that stuff doesn't live here is we're kidding ourselves. Be kind to one another. This is talking about the people of God among one another. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The forgiveness that we are called to is always grounded in you have been forgiven first. We are a forgiven people first and foremost. And that's meant to, the fruit of that is that we would be a forgiving people. Next one. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put on then as God's chosen ones, his initiative, he starts it, he's the chooser, he's the initiator. We respond with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and the word there in the original Greek is bearing with one another, right? Like the way that we think of that, like you got to bear with each other. You got to stick in it. You can't say, well, I don't like what they said, so I'm never talking to them. You got to bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, check this out, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Next one. And forgive us our debts. Where's this from? Lord's Prayer. This is what we're going to be teaching through. What's so interesting about the Lord's Prayer is you have forgive us our debts and also uh, as we forgive those, uh, as we also, I don't know what version I copy this in, as we also have forgiven our debtors. What's so interesting about the Lord's Prayer is what directly follows it are these two verses that I've almost never heard preached on. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We'll preach through that, but I just want to put that before you. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, mercifully, yes. Right? Hear me, hear me, church. I love you. I'm your pastor. This is not a guilt session to say you better forgive each other. There is a certain kind of pain 
that it's actually not healthy to just say, okay, I forgive, without letting anyone know that you've even begun that process, because some things don't, actually don't merit just kind of this snap of a finger forgiveness. You need to bring that, you need to process that. Someone's going to need to walk in that pain with you. But there's just enough, in, in, from, from my perspective, there's just enough unforgiveness, I think, living here that doesn't require that kind of deep engagement that I just felt prompted by God, which is very unoften would I ever use that, that language. But this, as I've prepared over months thinking of this Sunday, that I felt like if we don't do this, I think we're charging forward too quickly. So now what I want you to do is I want you to look at those losses. I want you to bring them to God in honest prayer. And then I'm just going to give you a couple minutes to say, God, is, is any of this for me? Should I process this? Should I bring this to somebody? Is there, should I talk to someone about this? Is there a forgiveness issue in here? Do I just need to forgive someone from the heart and just release them? Oh, I want to say one more thing. Once had someone tell me, when we offend someone else, it's often because of one of three things. Sometimes we offend them because we are limited people and incapable of meeting their expectations. In that case, the, the mature thing to do is to actually not apologize, but to just name those limits, right? Like if someone comes and says, you should have made me dinner every night forever, you know, during COVID-19 or something, you'd be like, I can't apologize for that because that's not a limit that I could have met, right? So sometimes we just rub up against each other's limits. Or we make mistakes, some of the offense that we've done to each other, it's just a mistake. And we're human people, and we unintentionally harm each other. When you make a mistake and someone comes to you and says, hey, this really hurt me, you apologize. You say, I am so sorry. And then sometimes we sin against each other. Sometimes there's actually malice behind what we do. And in that case, you need to repent and seek that person's forgiveness. Okay? What this person told me, though, is on the other side of all three of those, the first step is forgiveness. Get that? Whether, whether you've rubbed up against someone's limits, a mistake they've made, or their actual sin, first step in engaging that person on, these, on the side of the offended one is forgiveness. All this is very important context to understand what I'm asking of you and what I'm not asking of you. Okay? All right. I'm going to leave this between you and God. I'm going to give you four minutes. Um, don't worry about the kids. If the kids are noisy, that's fine. But everybody else is as silent as you can be. I just want to give you four minutes to go before God with this.
one more minute. <clears throat> Let me just pray over you as we finish this, this exercise. Um, Father, I just pray this over Jacob's well. God, help us to be a community that puts on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Help us bear with one another. And if we have a complaint against another, God, help us forgive, acknowledging that we have first been forgiven by you, in you, and as we do that, help us to be a forgiving people. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. One of the things that we should be prepared for coming out of something like this is maybe for others to approach us, um, either to because they'd like to offer forgiveness um, and name something, some offense that they've done, or uh, maybe because, um, yeah, because of the other side of that, right? And so this is where, and, and I just don't know a more nuanced way to put this, right? Like, We've got to be Christians. We've got to be people who really, right? Our first core identity is that cross there. We're gospel-centered. We're centered on this news that the God of the universe has put his very being on the line in order that we might be a forgiven people. And then he says the way that this will be most evident within the community and to those looking into the community is to the extent in which that forgiveness flows out to one another, first and foremost, to each other. Um, and so if God has prompted someone, I'm just asking you to take a little spiritual risk, take a little faith risk, and maybe take the extra step to go to someone and say, hey, God called you to mind, either because I've offended you or you've offended me, and I feel like this forgiveness thing is important for us to move forward together. Having said all that, where are we headed this year? Big theme is uh, we want to go from disconnection to reconnection in all ways, with God, with ourselves, with one another. So kind of everything flows from that big idea. So the first, uh, we, we call these strategic priorities at Jacob's Well. The first thing uh, that we're prioritizing this year is really deepening our discipleship model. Mike, you can keep going. Um, we have just come through, many of you know, that we have just come through a three-year, six-semester-long church-wide discipleship course. And the reason why we did that is because about four years ago, uh, we rolled out a discipleship model that, um, that was okay, but that didn't work for a number of reasons, and we learned a lot in that year. And one of the things that we learned is that 
we lacked as a church a shared experience and shared language around discipleship. And so we said this feels like a gap that we would really want to see God fill. And so we put a lot of time and attention and planning and uh, all of you wonderfully, beautifully jumped into this thing. And for six semesters, for three full years, we went through this. And so if you've been with us for uh, any amount of time, hopefully this is a very familiar image to you. Uh, We asked the question if discipleship is the process by which we become fully human, by which we are conformed to the image of the Son of God, by which we become more Christ-like. Well, what does it mean to be human and what does it look like for Christ to be central in all of those areas of life? And so we built out these six semesters, these six uh, kind of themes in discipleship. From that, here's what's next. This is kind of the, the big thing we're doing this year. Is from those six, might go to the next slide, Uh, we are going to uh, now kind of take the next step to to deepen this. So first, if you are someone who has not gone through all six of those uh, topics, we have condensed those six to eight-week courses into four-week courses that actually Rachel and myself, uh, with our fearless director, Mark Stacio, wherever he is, right there. Um, We spent a lot of our summer uh, filming those, condensing those, and and putting video content behind those such that it won't take you three years to get through all six of those. If you've never taken any of them, it would only take you uh, those those three semesters. So basically four weeks, four sessions. uh, You can do two of these in a semester. And what we want is if you think of that top left thing as a trivial pursuit pie. Anybody ever played Trivial Pursuit, right? And you win in Trivial Pursuit when your pie is full and you get to to the destination. We want everyone's pie to be full, so to speak. And so if you're someone who's been with us, um, and maybe you've taken a few of these but missed some others, right? Maybe you've been here for three years and you just happened to miss the physical discipleship semester. Well, what we're going to want you to do is to get that four-week session in so that you fill up your pie Um, If you've never taken any of these, we're going to get you through them in three semesters. Uh, If you only need a couple of them, we want you, uh, in literally two minutes, you're going to self-report which of these you need. And then those of us, uh, we've been building out, Rachel and I have been working with uh, a team of folks literally for over a year now uh, that went from the teaching cohort to now becoming the discipleship team. Uh, So we have a team of people who are going to be leading these things, facilitating these things, but uh, we're going to, from the data that you give us of who needs what, put together a kind of, um, what do they call those, like a course offering uh, of, of what we will actually do. Um, if you've done all of them, which we know is a lot of you who have now done all six semesters, the next thing that we're starting are what we're going to call 201. So if you've ever been in a higher ed educational uh, environment, you go from your intro courses that are 101 to your more advanced courses that are 201. And so if you've taken all six of those semesters, we're inviting you into one of these 201s. And what the 201s are is that there are full eight weeks, the kind of normal rhythm to these. But because um, they are you know, only gonna be a, a select number of you, one, they'll be smaller, uh, and two, they'll, they'll go a little bit deeper. Here's the thing, hear me on this, right, about this whole discipleship thing. We are aware, and frankly, we're aware from the jump, that the great weakness of the church-wide discipleship model that we've been doing is it lacks some relational depth, real ability to go deep with people, and it lacked the ability for you to feel like you were getting your hands into this stuff and becoming, uh, to use a great churchy word, a self-feeder, someone who could really handle the scriptures and this content for yourself. The 201s are being built 
to, to bridge those gaps, to be more relationally driven, and to provide you opportunities to actually dig into this stuff yourself. And so we're really excited uh, that heading into this fall, we'll be offering uh, probably three kind of sections of the core curriculum, trying to get people, trying to get your, your little pies full. Uh, and then we'll also be offering two 201s. Um, namely, we'll be doing Spiritual Discipleship 201 and then Emotional Discipleship 201. Uh, spiritual Discipleship 201 is, is being taught by Sarah McLean and Jalen Baker. And then Emotional Discipleship 201 is being taught by Tyler Stowell and Lizanne Lynn. And then myself, Rachel, and Kimberly Porter will be facilitating the, what we're now calling the 101s, the, the core curriculum stuff. If all of that's confusing... Um, hopefully it'll become a little bit more obvious as you do what I'm going to ask you to do next, which is on our website right now, there is a graphic that looks like this. And literally, um, unless you're like a guest who 100% knows you will never be back in this church, or maybe not never, but you will very only occasionally be in this church. I, we are literally asking everyone to do this because this will help our planning for what we're actually going to offer um, this fall. If you can go off of our Wi-Fi, that would be helpful. We've learned that when we do these registrations before. So I'm going to go into my settings, and I'm going to go to Wi-Fi, and I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to use a little bit of data because, you know, I'm a good guy. Um, so you're going to go to this. You're going to go to this little uh, banner on our website, and you're going to click on it, and then it's going to take you to a form. We're going to have you fill out that form. If you've been here for a while, you don't have to fill out the, uh, the address stuff. We just figure there's enough new people that if we don't have some of that info, go ahead and fill it out. Then what you're going to do is you're going to fill in, I have already completed the following discipleship courses. And so, yes, we are trusting you to self-report. So, you know, honor system people. But what we're asking is if you have done 80% or more, so you figure eight sessions, um, if you did six or more sessions, let's call that, um, you can say that you completed these courses. So if you've done all of them, just boop, 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 all six of those. If you've done none of them, just keep scrolling down. Work with me before you start filling that, or stay with me before you start filling that out. Will you be attending a discipleship course this fall? So this is your opportunity to say, yes, I want to be involved in this. If you're not sure, to be honest with you, it's more helpful for you to just go ahead and say yes and we can follow up with you. If it's definitely no, then just go ahead and say no. This is on Wednesday nights. We're going to do it from 8, 8 to 9.30. Um, there, uh, the next question is, I will be attending a discipleship course this fall. So if you say yes to that question, the next one is, I would prefer a course that is either in person or virtual. Our plan right now is to offer an option for both in every single course that we offer. It's just helpful, again, for us to know data of what people's preferences are as you sit here today, if you have any questions, um, you can fill that in. Okay, we want everyone to do this. I'm going to go ahead and do it while you do it. Ready, go. It's like a good time to turn to your roommate or your spouse, like, which ones did we do?
When you finish, put your hand in the air. All right, we're getting there. Keep working on it. Now you may be wondering, there's not a place for me to choose. That, that moment will come for you. Um, we just need to figure out what we're offering right now. That's why we're having all of you do this. You can say it out loud, Mark. What's up? Yes, yeah, spouses don't, don't report for each other. Um, do it separate from each other. Everybody, everybody. Everybody, everybody. Anyone still working on this? Put your hand up if you are. Very funny. That's my child. All right, if you had trouble with it, just grab one of us afterwards. We can help you with it. But thank you for doing that. Um, one thing that I can tell you is if you've done all six and you report that and say, yes, I will be doing a, a discipleship course, um, I can tell you what the next step after that will be, is we will send you descriptions of each of those 201s and have you sign up for one of those within the next week or so. So that'll be next step for those of you who have completed the six semesters. Cool? I know that this is a lot of logistical stuff. I am beyond excited about this. We have been working on this for a long time. I think that some of the, um, some of the learning that we've done the last three years is really going to flow into these 201s. Some of what a lot of you have been asking for, deeply desiring, I want to go deeper, I want to be with people more consistently, um, we really want that gap to be filled, um, and we want to move towards the kind of discipleship that, uh, that we really believe that God wants, which is what a lot of you want, which is deep relationship around the Word of God, you know, high visibility, um, but not being asked to do that in a room of 190 people like we've been doing. So, um, so thank you for helping us with that. Next up, next strategic priority is what we're going to call widening community. This is a big change, a very significant change for our church. Uh, we have always had some kind of a, whatever you want to call it, a small group model, I guess, a couple years ago now. Wow, that's weird even to say. Um, we went from a missional community model, if that if those terms mean anything to you, to what we called community care groups, where we really feel like these are places where within smaller communities, within specific geographic locales, we want there to be community, you to be known and to know people, and we also want there to be care given, um, that you would have a place where you can share those needs. CCGs obviously went through, to say the very least, massive change in the midst of COVID. Uh, at some point, we just realized it's untenable to keep these going. It's a lot to ask of the leaders to keep putting on you know, Zoom calls when everybody's Zoomed out. And so we've just kind of had the pause button on this. Uh, this summer, we tried these things called community care events where we invited people to connect socially, low barrier of entry. Um, and we learned a lot from those. And those who participated in those had, had great feedback for us, really enjoyed those. Here's the reality as we look around our church. There's a lot of y'all that are new right? Like you know who you are. And you walk in here and you go, I don't know a lot of people. And some of you are new and you've been a part of Jake as well for like a year, right? Like that shouldn't be new. That's not what we consider new around here, but such as it is in COVID. Some of you have been around here for a minute, as they say, right? Like some of you have been here for years and you kind of do the same thing right now. You look around and you go, I don't know. I don't, this is a very different church. I don't know that I know a lot of these people. We really feel like the need of the moment 
is not necessarily that deeper community. And one of the reasons is because we really feel like where we're headed in the discipleship model is going to give us just enough of that. But we really feel like the need of the moment is, this is the language that we've been using as staff and elders, is like we need to reintroduce ourselves to each other. We need to um, relearn who our church is. We need to, um, right, because what we normally rely on as a church is the reason why small groups tend to work is you have this small group of people that you're kind of assigned to who becomes this, this like inevitable community for you. But then we all know that part of the joy of being in a church are those sort of across group friendships. And how do those happen? Those happen in context where you're just able to meet a bunch of people from church. So those happen on men's and women's retreats. Those happen when you're serving together on Sunday teams. Those happen in social events that we do church-wide, picnics and vision Sundays and all that. And we've had none of that for a year now, right? And so I think that that actually, we feel uh, pretty strongly about this, that that's the context that we need to work hardest to recreate because it's really hard to create. Uh, it's impossible to create that on your own unless you're the sort of person who's like, the whole church is invited to my backyard this Sunday, which probably wouldn't be a wise thing to do in the times that we're living in, right? So we're gonna work really hard to provide those contexts. Today's meal is a beginning of that. It's just the opportunity to sit across from you know the random people who sit at your table and introduce yourself and say, I'm not sure that we've met. Or to reconnect with someone that you've been at this church with for 10 years that you just haven't talked to in a year and a half. And maybe you feel a little bit weird initiating that conversation, but now you both got Mo's, you're sitting across from each other and you go, so Rachel Palmer, how are you? You know, um, like we need to do that. We need those contexts. We really feel like that's where some of the health um, is going to be revisited. Wonderfully, Christy Ellison has been our uh, director of community for a while now. Um, she will remain in that role, giving leadership to, to this whole area. Uh, Mike Freiberger has actually come alongside her. Um, so they're going to be directors of community. And what, what their plans are right now is that um, every other month we'll do this. We'll have a meal here together. We're going to call them community meals uh, and just an opportunity to hang out and be together. So every other month on the first Sunday of the month, starting with the first Sunday in October, so we'll do the first one just three weeks from now, and then first Sunday in December, first Sunday in February, and on and on it goes, we're going to do this kind of format. And hopefully COVID allows us to do it. Um, right now we can, and so uh, we just really feel like that's important. That's, uh, you know, we might do that potluck if we're able or, or ordering. We're, we're going to figure all that out, but we just want to be together. In the months where we're not doing a community meal all together, we're going to, uh, from the learning this summer with the community care events, we're going to do men's and women's events. We'll do nights where everybody's invited, movie nights, whatever they come up with um, in those intervening months. Again, we want to create broad context uh, for, for relationships to be either rebuilt or built for the very first time. And so that's where we're headed on the community side of things. Again, Christy Ellison, uh, who I think is in with kids right now, Mike Freiberg, who I think is at his brother's bachelor party. Um, they are going to be leading this. By the way, really cool story. At that bachelor party, um, those guys actually took time out of the bachelor party to go help a family in this church do demo on a house. I just think that that's the coolest thing ever. So if you just judge the term bachelor party a little bit, <laughs> take that. Um, so that's what we're doing on the community side. Uh, care, uh, we learned a ton in the midst of COVID about how to care better for our community. So we created a centralized care team is what we call that. Um, we're really excited to continue that. Love that group of people. 
Um, you're, many of you, if you've been around, are familiar with the care form where we ask you to express those needs. They've done just a beautiful job of following up on that. They've gotten more used to praying into those things. That's really something they're doing alongside the elder team. Uh, super excited to have Rich Lynn on board. Uh, we will likely be adding to our elder board. That, that's kind of a responsibility uh, of shepherding care that, that, we, uh, that they support us in. And so we're, we just continue to grow in that. We feel good enough about that. Um, our directors of care right now are Rachel Suarez and Chris Radonovich, and they've done a great job leading that. Um, Bina Thomas is coming alongside them um, as, as well uh, for future leadership in, in that area. And so we're just going to keep learning that. Please, 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 the, the big thing that I know is their ask is um, please continue using that care form well. It is so hard to stay connected to people in a time where we are by definition isolated. So the more honest and vulnerable you can be, and they've learned increasingly how to care well for that, how to handle that with care, um, please, please, please continue to express that because that then opens the door for them to actually meet that need. So that's the expanding care part under there. Very last thing that we're doing that I'm really excited about um, is one of the things that something like COVID does is it very much by, by necessity, not by um, harmful intent or, or not even you know, negatively so, but it sets our eyes inward, right? We all rally around our own and we say, we got to protect us and get through this. We believe that we are coming out of a time where, where that is the only movement that God would have us make in this. We've got to set our eyes outward. Right? We are a church that exists for the glory of God, the good of the city, right, of central Jersey, by extending hope to God. We've got to have our eyes outward. And so uh, Manoj, Pastor Manoj uh, has been putting a lot of leadership behind finding us great partnerships. Many of you have come alongside him in that even uh, our ability to respond a little bit more quickly to, to the storm last week is a testament uh, to Pastor Manoj's work. And so that's something that we're really excited about this year is to do just provide you more opportunities. You're going to hear a lot more of that uh, from up here of, of ways in which we can lock arms um, with some local partners who are doing incredible work um, such that we can really embody this part of our mission um, to be a church that, that is known um, for love, right? For, for love and service to those around us. Uh, a couple of events that I would put on your calendar. We are almost done here. Uh, discipleship course starts September 29th, that's a Wednesday night, and then runs for those eight weeks. Uh, that's the week just before Thanksgiving, um, the Wednesday before the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so we can have or a full week before Thanksgiving, but that's when the, the D course will run. Again, part of that will take place here. Part of that will be virtual, just pen, depending on how things uh, bear out. The first community meal, as I said, will be that first Sunday in October, so that's October 3rd. You can put that on your calendar. Make sure that you create some margin to hang out with us. Uh, family dedications, again, are on the 10th. Next care form rollout, what I asked you to do is will be in November, and then we'll have those ongoing community meals and events that we will let you know about as they come. Call forward, we always end with that. This year it's simple. Um, I think what faithfulness is going to look like for a lot of us in this next season is, is showing up, showing up, showing up to the stuff, right? Um, it's a time where we have every excuse not to. It's a time where it's just so easy to say, I just, I just don't have it in me. Um, I believe that, that this is uh, about as simple a call as we can make, and yet I realize it's a lot to ask. Right? It's a simple call, but it, it's a bold one to say, would you show up? Would you keep showing up here, Sunday gatherings, you know, or there on Zoom? Um, would, you keep, would you show up 
when we have meals and opportunities to actually engage, would you show up to discipleship course um, to deepen in, in your commitment and own growth in Christ-likeness, right? Like the call is that we would show up. Um, if there's a core identity of these five core identities that we'll talk through at some other time, but if there's one that I would emphasize this year, it's to revisit the reality um, of joy and generosity and mission. In other words, our greatest joy comes when we have open hands toward one another in the world. We really believe that, is we believe that, we, that God has created us to be people who actually find our deepest satisfaction in the giving of ourselves on behalf of others. And this year, that might be as simple as showing up. What, what that kind of open-handedness might look like is showing up is, right, Jenna makes a call for more well-kids teachers saying, okay, I'll do that, right? And to believe that there's joy in that, not mere sacrifice, right? We're a people who believes that the cross was not the end of the story, but it's the most important part of the story, but it's not the end of the story, right? It's what it cost for us to go free, but the fact that we're free is because it didn't end with the cross. We're a resurrection people. And so it never ends with sacrifice for the people of God. It ends with resurrection. It ends with joy. It ends with new life. And that's the call that we would make to you. Uh, I only do this twice a year. It's, it's uh, well, I won't apologize for it. Why would I apologize for it? Um, if you don't know how to give to us, this is how you give. Um, is, uh, this is our website. Little button up there. Just keep going through, Mike. Uh, that'll take you to this page. If you want to do recurring, that's sort of the the very long oblong oval there. If you want to do recurring, um, click on, there's a one-time gift right above that. That one's super simple and easy. But if you want to do recurring, which is what the vast majority of those of you, many, many, many of you who give generously and consistently, um, the majority of you who do that, do that through recurring giving. So if you do that, you click that button. It takes you to this thing. If you've never seen this before and need a login, Morgan, who's back there, um, she's the one to talk to either in person or you can email her at info at jacobswellnj.org. She can give you a login to this. Once you log in, this is what it'll look like. You go to that little give thing over there. Pretty much everything from there is, is pretty obvious. Um, you just press repeating gift up there and then you fill in your info, tell them how often you want it taken out. Um, I do want to say, right, like this is a call to join generosity and mission. Um, I want to thank you because I believe that this is not something that we're starting from zero on, not even remotely. I believe it has been a, a work of God himself that, that you sh you're showing up now, right? Like you're here, you've stuck with this, you've stuck with each other. Many of you have given, you know, financially, very generously, but many of you have also given time and energy that you just didn't have. And I'd like to believe that God has taken that and taken it up and done something really beautiful with it. And, and we are hopeful, right? Like the first half of this was real and hard and painful because that's what we're living in. But we are a people who, like the lamenter, can end our prayers like this. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen? Amen. One more thing. This is where we're headed in the teaching series. Uh, we're going to be walking through the Lord's Prayer, as I've said. I'm calling it participating in thy kingdom come. By the way, settle an argument. We're going to pray this as your kingdom come, your will be done. 
but it just looks cooler and sounds cooler to say participating in thy kingdom come. So my wife does our graphics, so we've been going back and forth on this. Um, those of you who think this should be participating in your kingdom come, since that's what we're praying, show of hands. How many of you like the sort of consistency? You're, okay, I was going to say, you're really going to make Steve McLean be the only hand. <laughs> show of hands. Okay, those of you who like the like thy kingdom come, because it's a little... Cool. Those of you who would never raise your hand in church for any reason whatsoever. There you go. Nice. Krista Joy. Um, uh, cool. All right. We'll go with that kingdom come. Uh, the reason why it's called this is because the way that we're going to approach this prayer, because I think it's, it's what Jesus means by it, is yes, this is meant to be a template for our prayer life with God. I also think it's a template in what it means to live as a person um, who believes that God's kingdom is the most important reality in the world. It's, it's an agenda for life as much as it's a model for prayer. And so we'll be, we'll be living in those two realities as we go through this prayer this fall. Last thing uh, that we always do in the teaching is we approach this table. So I invite you to take out your elements now. None of this is possible. Uh, all of this would actually be very strange apart from the truth um, that we have a God who has made himself available to us, who is worth everything we have because he put everything that he had on the line to bring us to himself. And so this meal is for followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, scriptures are very clear. You honor him more um, by just considering what you've heard today, what you've experienced today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you uh, to these elements. On the night before, he was betrayed, arrested, crucified, and ultimately um, died. He took bread at the table. He's with his best friends. He took bread. He said, this bread from now on will represent my body, broken for you, my death for your death, my life for your life. Take it in remembrance of me. Let's do that together now. In the same way, he took the wine that was at the table, and he said, this represents my blood poured out, the full cost to bring you home, the full cost of forgiveness. He called it the blood of a new covenant, a new relationship, that God was inviting us into because of and only because of what Christ did in bearing our sin and shame, taking it to the grave and rising victorious over it. He said, this is, this is my blood. Remember the cost. Let's do that together now. We're going to sing one more song that speaks to these truths. So why don't you rise as we finish up here this morning.